you know, when God is speaking to you something, you can always kind of tell because a lot of times it, it makes itself known to you through frustrations in your life. You know, there are frustrations that you have, not just so you'll get angry and mad and, yeah, and then start blaming people, but God is stirring something up on the inside of you to do something about the situation. And so when I have frustrations, I know God's trying to, to really talk to me in those areas of concern. And so one of my, my areas of concern, obviously, was that in our nation and all of last year, year before, several years, but it's just been an increasing thing where there has been so much, so very much divisiveness that has broken communication. And I mean, no one can agree on anything. Forget Republicans, Democrats. The Democrats and the, Repu the Republicans and the Republicans don't agree. The mamas and the daddies don't agree. Churches don't agree. Nobody agrees on anything. It's just, it's just been a divisive spirit that's tried to come, up, come into our nation, our world, globally. It's a spirit. And I know that if it's a spirit, God has not given us that. I know there is a scripture that says, where brethren dwell together in unity, the commanded blessing is released. The only place in the word of God where there is a blessing that is commanded is when we are in unity together. And so if the enemy can keep us from that, he will. Um, so that's been a frustration point. And as the end of the year came to a close, it only escalated. And then along with that and knowing I'm moving into a new year, you know, as pastors, we are, part of our job every year is to get up and say, encourage and say, this is going to be your greatest year. Make your re New Year's resolutions. Start over. Thank God for a new year. And we do all that, and we don't do it out of rote. We really mean it in our heart. But since I have been through at least 50-something of those New Year's, at least, I know what I know now patterns in humanity and having pastored for 34 years, I see it in churches and there are patterns that we, we see. And one of those patterns is we make a determination, boy, we're going to change this year. We're going to get things done. But there is this thing that keeps pulling us right back down to the same things over and over. And we keep going round and round and round and round in the same circle, in the same orbit. And it's called a gravitational pull. You can't get away from gravity. The older you get, the more things are pulled down. Just saying. <laughs> we can pick them up, fluff them up, do all the other things to, uh, you know, just don't go there in your mind. But just, <laughs> we do the best we can with what we have. But at the end of the day, gravity is going to take over. Y'all know what I mean? However, in a spirit world, whatever's at the center determines the pull. And so we have to make sure, and I just want to ask you a question. We're on this, we're on this uh, theme 
and we've been in this series of what if, say what if, what if we could get set free from that gravitational pull that keeps pulling us back into the same old thing, the same old emotions, the same old patterns. We do good for a while, but then before you know it, we're right back where we start. We're right back on that treadmill. What if we could get free from that? What if we could come out of that? Say, I'm coming out. I'm coming out today. Well, that was kind of what birthed this in my spirit. And I want to ask you, what if, and then I want to say that there are things that can get us and out of this gravitational pull. And so I want to help you resist the gravitational pull today. I'm going to start in 2 Kings. I'm going to take a couple texts and read them to you. I want you to get them in your spirit. Then we're going to exegesis uh, these scriptures and talk to you about them for a few minutes and see what God's going to say to us. 2 Kings 7, 1 through 7. Then Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time, things are going to change. That was Joseph Arlington. I'm sorry. It came out of me. A seah of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, he is so sarcastic. This guy, nobody asked him. He just jumped in there. I know there's no people like that up in here, but there was this guy. Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this be? And he said, in fact, you shall sit, not you shall see it with your eyes, but you're not going to eat any of it. You're not going to have any of the fruits of it. You're going to have to watch everybody else get it. Now, there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. At the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? Hey, if we say we'll enter the city, the famine's in the city. We should die there, and if we sit here, we die also. Now, therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we're going to die. And they rose at twilight to go to the camp. of. The, they rose, say they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was even there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear this noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians, and they're going to attack us. I'm telling you, I'm believing that God is going to cause the sound of, of interruption in the enemy's camp that's going to totally cancel out their assignments in Jesus' name and bring confusion on the enemy camp, and we're not going to have to lift a hand, but we are going to have to do something. We're going to have to get up, say, get up. And so they said, therefore, they arose and fled at twilight and the camp intact. Wow. Their tents, their horses, and their donkeys. Wow. Wow. And they fled for their lives. Okay. Great scripture. We're going to talk about it in a minute. Then I want you to read this little short text from Deuteronomy with me. 
Deuteronomy 1 through 3. Then we turned and journeyed into the wilderness of the way of the Red Sea as the Lord spoke to me, and we skirted and we encompassed Mount Seir. We went around it. We encompassed Mount Seir for many, many days. And the Lord spoke to me saying, you have circums, you have circumpassed, you have gone around in circles, you have skirted this mountain long enough. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something that uh, charismatic people have been doing for years, but today I want you to do it not just by rope. I want you to turn around to your person sitting next to you and say, have you been going in circles? Has your life gone in circles? Well, this is what I want to say quickly. I want to make a bold statement that I sense the Lord saying, and when God gives me a word, I always, if I'm praying and if I'm studying, I put it in all caps. Now, my daughters have taught me that on, if I am on a, on a text or if I'm on email, that, Mom, you do not text in all caps. That's like screaming. And I used to do that. Well, now I don't do that, but I do it to myself. Because when the Lord says something, I want the enemies to hear it too and everybody around me. So I put it in red letters. And I really heard the Lord say, there is a shift. There is a shift. And you could feel the shift at the end of the year. By the way, I don't know if y'all know it or not, but I did look up and do some study on the Hebraic year of 2017 because it is a numer it's a numerolo numerology that is included in it, and this is what it means in Hebrew, H-O-P-H-E-K. It means perverseness or an upset, a turning of things upside down. Now, I don't know if you realize it or not, but something like that kind of happened toward the end of last year. And uh, the new Hebraic year started in September. So there's been some things turned upside down. But look what it says in the Greek. It says, to shine forth, E-P-I-P-H-A-U-S-K-O, however you want to say that. That is what it means. It means to shine forth. So, yes, there's a turning around. There's a turning upside down. And there is a shift that's taking place in the earth, in the heavenlies, in our lives, in the church of the living God. There's a shift taking place. And I want to say to you, God's going to shift you into your new destiny, you from your old norm to the new norm. There's going to be a new norm, a new norm, say a new norm. He's recalibrating right now. Now, the children of Israel, God delivered them from the Red Sea. They had been in bondage a long, long time. As a matter of fact, 430 years they were in bondage. That's a long time. That's a whole long time. 40 years is a long time. 400 and something is huge. Now, God's word brought them out of the hand of Pharaoh, out of the land of Egypt. Now, always in the word of God, Egypt is a type of sin. We know that, right? And Pharaoh is always a type of Satan in the word of God. So we can just say that God brought them out of sin and delivered them from the hands of the enemy. Amen? Now, they are now wandering around this mountain, around and around and around and around. I want to ask you a question. Do you think 
for one second that God brought them out of all of that bondage so that they could just go around when they got out of there and God brought them through the Red Sea. He did all the things he did for them so they can just walk around and around and around. That's what he did it for. Nope, he didn't do it that. But I, I, I just want to make a parallel real quick right there. Do you think for any second that God did what he did for you, that he died on a cross, that he shed his precious blood, and then he let the captives free, he broke bondages, then he set you free, saved your soul, healed your body, oh my goodness, brought you out of bondage, and yeah, I know some of your testimonies, a few of you in here anyway, I do, and a lot of you in here have only heard the PG version of the testimony. If we really, really were able to tell it all, it's just, you know, it's the R version and you can't even explain it version because there's just so much God has done for each of us. And to think that, do you think for one second he did all that so he could bring you out here and you could just go round and round and round in a circle? Being drawn back into the same circumstances. be drawn back into the same old emotions every Christmas. The same old arguments. The same old situations over and over again. Not on your life. He did not do that. He did not give his life so we could go about doing the same old stuff. In fact, I guarantee you, I made a decision this year I wasn't going to do it. Because I've been writing 2006. For 365 days, I determined I was not going to do it one day past January 1st, and I haven't messed up one time. And some of you, you don't know Wednesday from Friday because it's all the same. We're just going in circles. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. That's what we do. That's what the enemy wants. That's what he's after. But today, I wrote this in red letters, and I wish I could put it on your screen right now, on your screen in your heart and your spirit. This is what the Lord said. I am pronouncing a benediction on old structures and old systems in your life. I am pronouncing a benediction. It's over. Say it's over. It's over. Same old issues, same experiences, same interactions, living with the same emotional chaos year after year after year, going around the same mountain over for the last 10 Christmases, for the last 20 Christmases, over and over again. Do you know people even come to church? They come to church, yes, because they, you know, they, they, they want to get something, but everybody doesn't come for change, even though God wants to change us. I know change is hard, but everybody doesn't come to church for change. Lots of people come to church and say, I want you, Pastor Renee, to make me so happy, I'll forget about the hell I've been going through all week. So just give me a shot of happy up in here, and I'll be, that's no. He did not come to give us a high. He came to give us life and give it to us more abundantly. He came, he gave us 
his life so that we could have life and we would have the power and the want to to get out of this pool that keeps bringing us back down to the same old things and the same old situations. And when there is an object that keeps pulling us down to the center, when there is an object that keeps holding you down, there's something that keeps pulling you back, then you rest assured there's a power there that won't release you. And you got to find out what that power is, and you got to get set free from it. Now, here's what happens. Every once in a while, all of us have been there. We're going around in this circle, and all of a sudden, we get the power to jump up a little bit. You know, but the thing is, they don't care. The enemy doesn't care. Your naysayers don't care if you jump up a little bit just so you come back down and get right back into your system. Honey, when they have a problem, it's when you say, I've had enough and I'm out of here. I, hey, I see you, but I sure don't want to be you. I'm out of here. I don't want nothing to do with this system anymore. You know, when they start hating on you, it's when you pack your bags up and say, I'm getting out of this system. I'm not going back to the same old thing over and over and over. I'm going to see my life take a turn this year. I'm going to break some things over my life. I'm not going to stay in this pattern, and I'm not going to be drugged back down to this. Oh, here we go again. Here we go one more time. Yea, I say unto thee, we'll make it spiritual all you want to, but you're still back in the rut. Y'all know what I'm saying? Yeah, I want to suggest that there is an orbit around you that you've been functioning in that most people around you contribute to that. There is a social construct that contributes to you coming back down to that same old thing and defining you. People are just comfortable with you leaping up from time to time. They're comfortable with you showing up at church on Easter and Christmas and, you know, doing a few things, even singing in the choir every once in a while. But they're not comfortable when you start uh, getting out, packing up, and say, I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to make some changes in my life. I'm going to do some things differently as long as you don't do that. But I have made up my mind. I'm not going to keep circling the same old bills, the same fear, the same discouragement, the same loneliness, the same suicidal thoughts, the same weaknesses. you got to make up your mind. You're not going to do it anymore. There's got to be something rise up inside of you and say, no, this year is going to be different. I do want to tell you that there has to be a desperation that rises up inside of you to have some destiny decisions made and say, I'm coming out all the way. I am coming out of this situation. I am not going to get caught up in this same trap over and over and over. You think they, they, the, the powers that be want to say, dream all you want to dream. Uh-huh, plan all you want to plan. Just don't execute anything. Don't ever get out and execute it and make it happen because this gravity pulls down what that's spinning around and round and round. Actually, I have a quick little video of, about gravity. I want you to see this. There's this mass that keeps pulling, and what is your mass? What is pulling at you? Let's watch that real quickly. 
Do you have that? Gravity, Gravity is an invisible force, proportional, proportional to mass. The greater the mass of an object, the greater, the greater its gravitational pull. The effects of gravity are all around us. From the sun's rising to the sun's setting, to the moon and the stars, to the ocean and its tides, this is gravity. Nothing, nothing is exempt from the power of gravity. Nothing, nothing, nothing can escape the gravitational pull of an object of great mass. Not, not, even, not even a human life. What's pulling you? What's, what's pulling you? What's pulling you? What is that spanning? in the center of your life? Is it how you see God? Not necessarily, because most of us that call ourselves Christian at least, see God as big and powerful and wonderful. But where we struggle is how we see ourselves, how we relate God to ourselves, how we can put God in our life. He's good in other people's lives. Woo, he's powerful. But when you get, oh, I'm not worthy, that's what the enemy wants you to think. What more did Jesus have to do to make us worthy? What more did he do, have to do to say, look, I believe in you. He gave his life for us for that. Today, we have to get desperate enough to say, I'm making some de destiny decisions. I'm going to resist the pull. I know, ladies and gentlemen, I am so aware of this because at my age, there's a voice on my shoulder the whole time saying, you might as well give up now. You know, you ain't got enough life left to fulfill what you needed and have always said you were going to fulfill. That is a lie from hell. God can still redeem our time. He can get more done in a week than we can get in 10 years. The Spirit of God, I know, there has to be something so strong in you that even though the enemy on your shoulder is whispering words, and it takes every gut we have in us to say, no, I'm going to resist that pull. I'm coming out of this situation. I refuse to live in this situation. I can tell you, you may have kept my mama down. You may have kept my grandmama down. You may have kept the, my sister down, but you ain't keeping me down any longer. I'm not going to be pulled back into the same old traps over and over and over. I will resist the gravitational pull. You have lived in the same place too long, Renee Clark. Time to get desperate. That's what I said to myself as I was ministering. See, I never preach anything that I don't preach to myself. Get my own altar call. I just don't take my own offering because I usually don't have anything with me. But I'm telling you, De my destiny is preordained, and God has so ordained every one of our destinies. But there's some things that we have to do, and I'm going to tell you what they are. The children of Israel, remember, they were under the leadership of Moses, and they celebrated, and they shouted over the promised land, but they never entered into it. 
And I just determined I'm not going to be one of those. I'm not just going to celebrate and holler and scream about what I can do and what God did and never enter into the fulfillment of it. God wants us to enter into the fulfillment of what he's called us to. The truth is you have to get desperate enough to change. It takes courage to change. It takes courage to say, you know, I am coming out. I can't help it. I, 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 try, I, I put this in my notes. I took it out. But every time I preach it to myself, I come right out singing it. So I just did my homework on it. I went to Diana, and I, I, Diana Ross singing, I'm coming out. I want the world to know I'm going to let it show. I'm coming out. Tell somebody I'm coming out. Now, before you go on Facebook and start putting all that on social media and say she's coming out of the closet, honey, I've been out of the closet. I have been out. I'm out here. And it has nothing to do with my sexual determination. God determined that a long time ago, and I am what I am. And that ain't what Diana was saying either because I did my homework on it. It just means if you get in a rut, come on out. Don't stay in it. Say, get out. Get out. So the first key is desperation. I want us to go back to this desperate situation in 2 Kings real quickly. Seventh verse. There's these desperate lepers. But most importantly, before we get to the desperate lepers, you got to know where the nation was. Pretty close to where we are right now, if you'll think about it. Samaria was in perilous times. They were in a famine. They were eating their, each other's. They were saying, look, I'll eat my babies today, but we're going to eat yours tomorrow. Can you even imagine that? But that symbolism we're pretty much seeing, it's a dog-eat-dog kind of world that we live in right now, a desperate situation. And here we are, this prophet, and God always has somebody stand up. Thank God for Elisha. He comes in on the scene. He walks into the situation, and he says, about this time tomorrow, there's going to be plenty. And I love that kind of word from God. It isn't the kind that is just iffy out there. You know, well, in this room, we've got six people that's got a headache. And, you know, no, I'm sure there are at least six people that have one trying to happen right now. But the truth is, this man of God had a word that wasn't iffy. And he stayed around to make sure that what he said came true. He didn't leave town. The next day, he said, uh, uh, about this time tomorrow, things are going to change, and there's going to be plenty, and there's going to be enough. We need a word of God coming from our pulpits right now. We need a word of God coming from the people of God where we hear what the Spirit is saying. This is our day, ladies and gentlemen. We may not get this opportunity again, but God has opened this season for us. It's miraculous. What God has done for this people right now to give us an opportunity to see his will done. And so in this perverseness, in this complete upset that's about to happen, I believe with all my heart that somehow this whole nation has allowed the circumstances in Samaria. Now, you put it, put it into your own life, but in Samaria, they had allowed the circumstances that they're in to overshadow the reality of the promise of God. 
You think about that in your own life, where your circumstance has overshadowed the promise that God made you. Now, here is this assistant to the king or the vice president, as you were. I'm not sure what his, what uh, the actual terminology for him then was, but I can tell you he was the right next to his ear. He had his ear. He was the next in command. And he is this man, and he speaks up. And he says, look, hey, and he starts basically making fun. <laughs> That's going to, the windows of heaven going to have to open up and all kind of things going to have to fly from the sky, basically is what he's saying, sarcastically. I'm just, I just want to say that I, I hope as the body of Christ, we learn the art of shutting up when we need to shut up and be quiet when you need to be quiet. And understand when it's time to talk and when it's time to pray. And when it's time to be silent. This guy sure didn't have any idea. He didn't know that you, you need to think and pray before you speak. You don't just say anything that's on your mind anytime you want to say it. Because here's the key that I think God's trying to show us there is the people closest to us will determine the level of our success in achieving the destiny that God has on our lives. The people closest to us. And Samaria was in trouble. The king's in trouble because he's listening to the wrong people. I just want to say, you bet, look, as far as I'm concerned, I don't have to know you. Or, all I got to do is see who your peeps are, who's your posse, who you're hanging with, and then I'll know who you are and what you are because we are who we hang with. And so God says, get with the right people. Hear the right voice. Hear what the Spirit is saying in this hour. The people closest to us are going to be the ones that affect our lives. Birds of a feather do flock together. So if you can be comfortable with people around you, always negative, always dogging you, always finding something wrong with everybody and everything, then go right along with you and go right, go right along with them and go on with your bad self. But it's for me, I know the talk's, talk's clicking. The clock is ticking. The clock is ticking on time. And I have to make sure that every moment, every day of my life, that God is in control and he is in charge of my thoughts and what I'm saying. We got to get a life and move on with it. Tell somebody, get a life. Get the life. We need destiny connections. This year, I want to pronounce destiny connections. It's a year of destiny connections. When God tells you something to do, then do it and don't argue with him. Don't go tell everybody you know. You need to know when to hold something up close to you. You need to hold some of your cards and don't let the enemy see them. Y'all know what I mean? Yeah, and pastors, country and western, and uh, he knows this song, I know, but there's nobody in here. Everybody's too spiritual, but this song, you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, know when to run. You, and I sing it like this, because I redeem everything. Uh, yeah, put me on Facebook. Oh, she's singing country and western songs. Well, if they got bad words, I redeem them. You know, because God, God is the author. Look, and let me tell you, I just, I say it like this. You got to know when to fall, know when to fall, know when to walk away, know when to run. You got to count your blessings. When you're kneeling at the altar, 
know the rest of it. But that, that's the part I keep singing over and over and over. You got to know when to be quiet. You got to know when to roll. You got to know when to fold them. This vice president to the king, I just wonder, and you might wonder with me real quickly as we move forward, why we can't hear the word of the Lord. Why? Because the prophet is right in his face, but he doesn't have natural ears to hear, and he doesn't have spiritual ears to hear. And have you ever wondered why he didn't get it? Well, I am a wonderer, and I'm an asker. I ask the question that the elephant in the room don't want to be asked. And I'm just going to say, because my heavenly father's like that, he's like my daddy, and I ask him. And I want to know why, and this is what I feel like was his reason, because he had seen too much stuff that, he, that didn't come true in his life, and bitterness had set in in him. Bitterness had gotten a hold of his life. Do you know that if bitterness is in your fruit, then it's in your root? It's in the root system of where you are. Oh, God, we've got to get rid of bitterness. We don't have time for bitterness. God wants to, I mean, he wants to shift our lives. He wants to change our lives. But you got to get desperate enough like these guys were. you got to say, God, create in me a clean heart and, and renew within me a right spirit. Shake it off. Let it go. Shake it off. Don't let the bitterness keep dragging you back and keeping you right back in the same place. Let it go. Say, let it go. Yeah, but you don't know. I can't trust people anymore because they let me down. Really? You don't know people. You know, they just, they sabotaged me and they took advantage of me when I was down. Really? What about Jesus? Do you think that happened to him? At some point, we can't feel sorry for ourselves anymore. We just got to get up and say, I refuse. Bye-bye, bitterness. You are the weakest link. You're not going to have any hold in my life. Don't let the enemy put bitterness on you because here's what he'll do. He'll have you building walls, and before you know it, he'll be handing you bricks. She didn't, she didn't treat you right. You're right. Put a little more on. Hey. They bypassed you when they should have chosen you. You're right. Uh -huh. I'm not going to let them do that to me. But they'll hand you bricks, and before you know it, you've got yourself a wall built around your emotions and your heart. But here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. Just as sure as you have built a wall around it, you have also built a wall where you can't get out now. And that's exactly what the enemy wanted. Walls will build their place also where you cannot get free and set free. And God doesn't want you to build walls, say, I will not be bitter. I refuse it. I refuse it. I'm not going to be boxed in this year. I'm coming out. I'm coming out. I'm getting desperate. I'm about to turn a corner. I'm about to have an upset. I'm about to see things turn upside down because def desperate times call for desperate measures. And the body of Christ in us individu individually are in those desperate times. You know, here's, a, here's four leprous men, and they're sitting outside the gate of this city. They're not in the city because they've been rejected. 
Now, I know some of you don't count yourself leprous in here, but maybe you might find yourself being rejected, might have a situation in your life, maybe have a circumstance in your life that has isolated you, and people have set you outside the city and outside the place where you could hear the voice of God like you want. You can't hear it seemingly as clearly because you're stuck at the gate. You're not in, and you're not way out there. You're betwixt and between. Y'all know what I mean? And so that's, that's where these people found themselves. They're stuck at the gate. They don't have access. What they did not hear with their natural ear, they kept their spirit man in tune. And they said, look, guys, hey, we got to get desperate. They made, they, they were desperate enough for number two. This is the second thing. The first key is you've got to be desperate. It's desperation. You've got to be desperate enough to decide. And the second one is you have to be decisive. You've got to make a decision. Oh, my goodness. I deal with people all the time that cannot make a decision. They cannot decide, do I want Charmin or do I want Scotty's? I just can't decide. Do we want this color, this color, this color, this color, or this color? Please help me. Well, I'm not talking about that. Deal with that. I am talking about, even in the body of Christ, we have this rhetoric in this Christianese, oh, the enemy will stop you from making the right decisions, destiny decisions, because if you're going to change, you've got to make some decisions. And he'll say, oh, you know, and so we'll say it too, because it sounds so religious and so proper and so spiritual. Well, I'm just praying about it. And we've been praying about it for 15 years, the same thing, over and over and over. At some point, you got to get praying. Prayer without works is dead. You got to get up and make a decision. What if these guys had just sat around, well, you know, if we die, you know, I don't know if we get up, we're going to die. If we stay here, we're probably going to die, but at least we're, we're, we're here, you know, I don't know. And, I, and they're just going round and round. No, they got desperate enough and something inside of them. Let's make a decision. They said they all together, let's get up. Let's get up. We got to make some decisions this year. We're going to change. We're going to do it. We're going to move forward. God's about to turn us. They made a destiny decision. And I believe that that's what God is doing right now. I dare, I dare the people of God to be decisive. And the third thing, and I'm closing quickly, defy your circumstance. If you're going to get rid and you're going to resist that gravitational pull, you got to get desperate enough. And you got to make some decisions to get up and quit whining and get up. And thirdly, you got to say, yeah, I got issues. Yeah, I got some leprosy. Yeah, I've been an outcast. Yeah, people have rejected me, but that ain't enough. That's not bad. Hey, I still got some options up in here. I can still do something. And so at that point, you defy your circumstance. You defy your situation. You defy your your situation and say, if I die, I die, but I ain't going to die here. I'm going to get up. I'm making a decision. The enemy started hearing something in the heavenlies. Oh, 
I love this. And so here's, here's where I, I love these four guys so much I want to hug them when I get to heaven so tight. Because here's what I know about them. They were desperate. They were decisive. They defied their circumstances. They were rejects. They were outcasts. They had leprosy for God's sake. But one more thing that they had that absolutely blows my mind. I need you to help me. Can you help me, sir? And I think I know your name and you. And right over there, yes, come help me real quick. Four of guys up here. I got to show y'all something. We got to get this right. Because there is this scripture in the word of God that I want them to put it on there. There's something inside of them where God is about to change not only their lives, but the entire nation is about to be turned around because there was, yes, four guys that said, look, we're desperate enough. We're desperate enough to make a decision. We're going to be decisive. And then we're going to defy our circumstances. And then there's a fourth thing that they decided to do. This one over here says, oh, look, I'm ready to go. But you don't understand. My foot has been eaten off by leprosy. And I can't walk real fast. My foot is totally eaten off. But this one says, come here, brother. Come here. We can go together. Oh, yeah. yeah, because I know your foot's eating off, but my ear is eating off, but I got two good feet. Uh-huh, I got yeah. two good feet. And if you'll be my ears, I'll be your feet. Yes, uh-huh. and, so, and so the other one said, but wait a minute. There's something wrong with my eyes. I can't see out of this one, and the leprosy's about to get this one. And if you'll hook up with me, yeah. uh, I'll be your ears. Yeah. If you'll be, and you're going to be the feet. And you're gonna. But I had. I don't have any. I don't have any eyes. But you got eyes. You got good eyes. You can see. And if we stay hooked up, I know we're going to the right place. And and this one over here says, Yeah, but you don't know my arm over here. I can't pick up anything because it's eating all the way off. My hands up to here. I can't feel anything. But this one says, Well, let me get a hold of you because I got two good arms. And together. Together, together, we can make a difference. We can start marching. If you're just getting, you guys need to start marching. Start marching. Get down out here in this altar. Let these people see y'all. Together, we can do something. And there's a scripture in Job says that if we decree and declare a thing, that it shall be established. There's some unity got to come into the body of Christ. We can't do it by ourselves because we all got issues. But if we'll do it together, stand up on your feet with me. There's some things going to change. There's some things going to change. There's some things going to change. See, the Spirit of the Lord is rising up in the body of Christ right now. And some of you are saying, look, I know. I know that I've been rejected because of this leprosy I got in my hand over here. But I got some other good parts. And if I can put my good parts with your good parts, and we can get your good parts over here, we can get up out of here, and this whole nation can turn around. Not only am I going to get up out of my circumstances, so I'm just saying,
Hey, here's the bottom line. It ain't fancy. It's just what it is. There's some things only going to happen because we get in unity. And it's not just about thinking, well, I want to be together. No, you got to decree and declare it and speak it together. Say together. Let's find things we can agree on. Let's find the things that we can come into agreement. And we're going to say, look, hey, I'm believing. You know, I got this wrong, but I'm believing that my family is going to be saved. No problem. I'm believing that your cancer is going to be healed. I'm be but together, we're going to decree and declare it. And I am believing with you. And this year, we are decreeing and declaring that Angleton has got to hear the word of the Lord. Angleton, hear the word of the Lord. There's an army. There's an army at Triumph Church that's getting arm in arm. They're getting shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, they're leprous. Yeah, they're not perfect. That don't matter. Yeah, they got some issues. Yeah, probably everything you heard and more. But let me tell you, it doesn't matter. We made some decisions. And we're covering each other. And we're helping each other. And we're marching out of here. And let me tell you, the Word of God, when you read the end of this thing, it is absolutely unbelievable, except that you know it is believable because it's the Word of God. But the Lord Jesus caused there to be such a sound come from the heavenlies that the enemy camp thought that they'd hired every army that it was against them. And it was only four little old people. What could a couple, three hundred people right in here today do if we all got in unity together and started marching and started marching? I want to bring it on home. I want to bring it on home right now. What if what if your husbands and wife came into agreement together? I want to even go further and say, you will never see, ever see the destiny of God fulfilled over your life until you do get into agreement. I know some of you have unsaved, and I understand that. I am not talking about that right now. Those are situations that we have to go back and show you in the Word how you, how you get further out of those situations. But I'm talking about two believers that are here. You got to get into agreement and not just have mental telepathy. You got to talk about it, men. Yeah. You got to speak it out loud and say, hey, we've been praying over this kid for 11 years. Now let's pray the same thing together. Let's bombard the heavenlies together and get your family and get them together and say, look, mom, dad's got some issues. We don't see everything right, but you got some good eyes over here. Mom's got this and I got this and you got this and you got this. But look, together we're a family. Together we can move out of this situation. Together we can see our lives change. And if there's some families that decide today, I'm getting my kids I'm going to get them up in the living room. We're going to get together, and we're going to make some decrees and declarations, and we're all going to pray the same thing, and we're marching out of this situation. We're not going to be like this. It starts at home. It starts in families. Then it goes to churches. Then it goes to a city. Then it goes to a nation, and then it goes to the world. That's just how it works.